Welcome to the Through the Uprise podcast with Mark and Brad, where friends and football come together. So without any further pause, let's go ahead and start the show. Hello and welcome to the show. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a long time in the making here, Brad. Uh, we've been talking about doing this for quite some time. Probably since before podcasts really existed. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I agree with you 100. <laughs> Um, so today, uh, today we're going to cover a couple of things. We've got a big week in the NFL. Uh, we got draft week going on. I always love draft week. So talk, uh, Brad, uh, to you, what's more important, uh, Avengers, Infinity War, or the NFL draft? Ten years in the making, bro. <laughs> Ten years in the making. We all know where I'll be. Yeah, Brad's going to be in our Ann Arbor, hanging out at the IMAX theater, getting his nerd on. Popcorn, a plus. There you go. <laughs> a must, really. It's a movie experience, bro. It's all about experience. That's why we do this. That's why we love talking. We talk about football because we love the experience of talking about football. I see Avengers because I love everything to do with Avengers, and it's the experience of going to see it in a movie. We don't need to argue that point. Clearly, you're not as big of a purist as I am when it comes to the NFL because you'd rather geek out with Marvel than check out an NFL draft. That oh, This is only going to be the craziest NFL draft that has what? ever happened in the history of the draft. This has only been the craziest NFL offseason ever. But yes, let's check out Avengers Infinity War that you could see any time after the draft. I mean, I'll, I'll get at least like an hour of the draft in before the movie. Oh, there you go. Guy's <laughs> going to be on his phone the whole time. Well, not during the movie. Oh, of course you're going to have it on silent, but it's not like you're not going to check it out from time to time. I won't say no to that. I'm not going to I can't confirm. I, I, I respectfully decline confirming or denying that. <laughs> so what I want to get to first before we start talking about the draft, uh, there was something, uh, something somebody said to me the other day, and it blew my freaking mind. Um couple of Pittsburgh Steelers fans, I brought up Love Bell and asked them what they thought about sure. it. And they went on it. They literally raised their middle finger as if to say, F you, Love Bell. Oh, wow. This guy has done nothing but contribute to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense for years upon years. I mean, he's, in my mind, the best complete back there is in the NFL. Do you disagree with this? Probably the most important piece to any NFL offense going right now. Yeah, Love Bell especially. Um, so... Le'Veon Bell in 2017, he rushed for 1,291 yards, nine touchdowns, and receiving 655 yards and two receiving touchdowns. That, okay, so let me go ahead and boil it down for everybody. Uh, there's a stat in the NFL, it's called dominator rating. Uh, for as much percent of the offense as you produced, it's your dominator rating. Lev Bell contributed a 32% dominator rating score. And let me put it in perspective for everybody. In 2017, the Offensive Player of the Year, Todd Gurley, was sure. responsible for 36%. That's huge. 36%. And Lev Bell's just 4% behind him. And keep in mind, he sat out all the training camp. Everybody knew that it was going to take him a little while, but just a little bit while to get going in the beginning of the season. Sure enough, it did. I want to say he stalled out for the first three, four games, and then he caught fire. Sure. There was no player in the NFL hotter than he was, and yet – their fans, even their organization. These guys walk by Lev Bell every single day in the complex. They see him. They say, great job. Thank you for everything that you do. We're going to take care of you this offseason. We swear we will. He's asking for 16 mil a year, which is not bad for what he does. He's not only just a running back. He's a receiver as well. 
and they're just going to go ahead and say, we're not going to give you the deal that we want. We're willing to give you 13 mil. We know you want six, but we're only coming in at 13. It, it blows my mind. And the reason why these fans are saying it, at least in my opinion, is because he's getting a little bit older. And it cracks me up because you see these young players who, when they're in the prime of the career, they're producing and they're ready to get paid. We, we want to get mad at them. We want to flip them off for absolutely no reason because they want to get paid because they put their body on the line every single day and they know what they're due. And yet here's the, here's the worst part about it. When their career is over, that's the second that running back hits age 30, 31, 32, and they lose that quarter step. Every fan is calling for their head to kick them out of town. I just don't understand this. Can you offer anything? I think it's the mentality of the same the same people that will also talk about how the NCAA is better at football than the NFL because these are in their mind these are players that are playing for the university and there's the camaraderie of it and they're not playing for themselves and blah blah blah. So when you get on that NFL level, you still want to see, especially as a fan, you know, I want you to play for me and play for my team and take take all of that in and that should be more important to you but these are guys who are trying to get theirs you know so you got to respect when somebody's going after their money and then the other argument against it is the importance of the position running backs aren't necessarily the guys especially when they talk talking about getting older that you want to dedicate all that money to when even though they're um, being so much a big part of your offense Mm -hmm. you know a quarterback's the guy who touches the ball 80% of the time on offense. So you got to pay him his money because everything he does is so important. You know, we value the importance of pass rushers, but, but these big companies and names and everything that are running, everything are able to put a numerical value and a statistic and everything on it to truly value and compartmentalize where they need to put their salary cap money. And that is the value of the position, not the value of what the player does for the output of your team. So that's where the value is miscued, mm-hmm. you know? So when you shift that value into being the value of the player and what he does on the field production-wise and what he does off the field for the money your team breaks in, that's the, the stuff that needs to be thought of more of when somebody's getting paid. That's why when Des Bryant got paid his, you know, 15, 16 mil a year, it was worth it. But, you know, now where his production has slipped and his name is nowhere near any sort of household, he's not worth that same kind of money. Mm-hmm. Even if you were to pay him, you know, less and, and he were to match that production he had when he first came out, you know, then where does the value really lie at that point? Well, the one thing that I have to say for the Des Bryant scenario that you just brought up, I think that's more of a Dak Prescott factor more so than Des Bryant factor. You, Tony Romo, under center, is still to this day. Des Bryant is still a top 10 receiver in this league. I don't care what anybody says. And he deserves to get paid exactly what he was getting paid. But we're not going to get into that. We don't have time for that. Nobody does. We've got big fish to fry today. Hey, Brad. <laughs> Today, we got a mock draft. We're going to get to a mock draft right now. 1.0, right, Mark Davis? Mark, ma- yeah, the Mark draft, if you will. <laughs> the Mark draft, mm. 1.0. The, the people are going to like that. Oh, of course they're going to love it. <laughs> I came up with it. Why wouldn't they love it? All right, so Cleveland Browns, number one overall. Who do you think I got going, Brad? Uh, I know you got a quarterback at least. You know I got a quarterback. You're absolutely right I got a quarterback. I got the quarterback. I got Sam Darnold out of USC coming up going number one overall. This is the biggest argument right now because there are solid there are four quarterbacks it could be, but there's only one you could take. You know what? I was going to get to the mock draft right now. 
but I'm going to, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to get into an argument that I've got about Josh Allen because the timing's right. This is the way it has well, to go. The people are, the people are the experts are saying Josh Allen. He's the guy. And not and only the experts, these are, the, these are figures that I revere. Brad, Bucky Brooks, Bucky Brooks, Peter King, Albert Breer, guys like these, these esteemed writers, once former scout, Most of once them, former yeah. player in the yeah. NFL who turned scout, who's now an NFL Network analyst is saying Josh Allen is Josh probably going Allen, to go number Josh one. Josh Allen, Josh Allen. All right. So here's, here's one proponent of my argument. This is a five-pronged approach, if you will. Let's hit them all. All right. So we drafted a quarterback last year with the 52nd overall pick. His name was Deshaun Kaiser. Nice guy. I've met him. You did. Um, so the biggest attributes that he had that the scouts loved uh, that put him in the top four quarterback quarter, uh, conversation last year was what? It was big body. Size and arm strength. Big arm. Big hands. Can make plays with his feet. That sound a little familiar? It sounds very familiar. It sounds just like are... Josh Allen to me. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and compare their numbers. Josh Allen completed just 56% of his passes this past season. Deshaun Kaiser, his final season at Notre Dame, 60%. Josh Allen threw 21 interceptions out of 641 attempts, and Deshaun threw 19 out of 695. Josh Allen throws 54 less attempts and throws two more interceptions than he does. They both have the similar upsides. They're both big body and athletic quarterbacks that make plays with their feet. I'm just going to say this. If Josh Allen is drafted number one overall, let the Jamarcus-like chance, the Jamarcus Russell-like chance begin. Let the confetti fall, Brad, because spring's here. It's getting warm outside, and that can only mean one thing, right? One thing. If the Browns draft Josh Allen, we have yet again boned another draft. That's what spring has meant to every single Browns fan out there. It just it blows my mind that it, this is even being floated around out there. <laughs> okay, so here's uh, uh, Josh Allen completed 36% of his tight window throws. He was 101st out of 133 qualifiers and adjusted completion percentage. 66% of adjusted completion percentage. So adjusted completion percentage, everybody, that's, and this is an excuse that you hear a lot when it comes to Josh Allen. Josh Allen didn't have those premier wideout targets. He's throwing them to guys and the ball's bouncing off their hands because they can't catch them. Well, this stat actually, it, it, compensates for that so let's say those balls were caught he only completed 66 percent of his passes how many do you think how much if you had to guess off the top of your head what do you think baker mayfield's adjusted completion percentage was adjusted completion percentage yes sir probably close to 70 it's 80.6 percent that's pretty impressive josh rosen what do you think his was probably a little underneath that 75 sam Darnold comes in at 70 point four he was ranked 28th in the country now i can go on and on and on and on with these stats but i don't really want to get into it and all i'm going to say is sam Darnold's the guy for me he's 20 years old you can groom this guy he hasn't even playing quarterback his whole football career in high school he started out as a linebacker started out as a linebacker and he comes into college as a top prospect completed the elite 11 competition Killed it when he was there. Didn't win it, but he finished in the Elite 11. And that's what you want to do. Josh Rosen, by, by the skin of his teeth, barely gets in. Guess who wasn't there? Josh Allen. We never heard of the guy. He went to Juco. He comes up. He's got a cannon. And yes, let's draft this guy number one overall because, and I'm going to say it, Mel Kiper. I know you're never going to listen to the show, but I don't care. The whole reason why you are saying 
Josh Allen at number one is to get your clicks. And congratulations, because you got them. Not only did you get them, but you got the NFL Network, and you've got a series of other well-respected writers saying, the Browns are probably going to go Josh Allen number one, because let's face it, they are horrible at drafting, and they drafted this guy last year. In fact, we're going to do it. The Browns are going to draft Josh Allen. If, if we got rid of the very quarterback that he's being compared to, it just makes no sense to me. Does it make any sense to you, Brad? No, no, not at all. I mean, I agree with the Sam Darnold pick. I think he is the more ready-to-go guy right now, too. I think the biggest argument people make about why you take Josh Allen is because he's got the higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is he's got the lower floor as well. And if you're a Cleveland Brown fan, the biggest thing you want to avoid is finding anyone who's going to hit their floor because that is what Cleveland Browns players do. Mm-hmm. They find their floor. Even guys like come in who have touted names like Jamie Collins finds their floor in Cleveland. Now, the man got hurt, but that was while he was finding his floor. I definitely think he can come back and be a big part of that team. And the team is, look, and I, you know, as a person who does not like the Cleveland Browns in the realm of fandom, even I've admitted to you that I like what this team is doing. I like where they're going. I really think they're setting themselves up for long-term success. But that begins, even no matter all, all the prep work you do, begins with making the right choice when you have the first overall pick with the highest priority position in the game. And that's with quarterback. And I agree with you that Sam Darnold is the man who should be that guy. Absolutely. But I have a quote of something you said to me last week. Uh, I d- deny or not deny at all. I don't care. You sent me a text saying, yeah, you're just, you hate Josh Allen because you know the Browns are going to draft him. Right. It's, a, that's, it's one of the biggest reasons. I think if you would not hate on him so hard, if your team was not going to likely pick him. Hugh Jackson hugged the kid at his pro day. Of course I hate the kid. Why is Hugh Jackson hugging college kids? He's Why? a player's coach. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and players like hugs. Hey, you know All what? of them. Well, Tom Brady's more of a high-five guy. We've seen that over the years. He also kisses his son, and your <laughs> open mouth. Tom versus time. That was like the <laughs> weirdest part of that whole thing. If you guys haven't watched Tom versus time, check it out. Not because Tom kissed his son almost open mouth. That was weird. But just watch it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. We're going back to the mock draft. Let's get back into the mock. Pick number two, currently with the New York Giants. Who we go? Going with Saquon Barkley, number two overall. Ooh. I don't agree with the pick, but it's probably going to be the way it's going you down. you got to love that talent, though. I just see the Giants trying to make one last-ditch effort to try and get Eli a ring. Sure. If they don't go Saquon, they're definitely going quarterback. I don't see him trading out of the spot. The way I view them, it's – as long as you've got Eli Manning and a healthy offense and defense, because let's face it, they were dinged up last year. Absolutely. As long as you've got that team healthy and competing hard, they're not going to be picking inside the top five again for God knows how long, as long as that team is constructed the way that it is. They also had some heavy coaching issues last season. We saw that. I don't know what Ben McAdoo's a prince. <laughs> I love that, man. I want him to be the godfather to my children. We saw how simple the offense got underneath him, you know. OBJ was basically running slants and sluggos, and that was it. This is the guy who you know can run the full route tree, but was not doing it. But my boy benefited from that offense in Evan Engram, and I loved it. Every you second of it. I'm the biggest Evan Engram fan. When you put that kind of athleticism at that position, 
things are going to happen. We've seen it with multiple guys. We see it with Gronk. We see it with Jimmy Graham. We see it with Ertz. We see it with all these guys who are premier athletes and bring that talent to that position. You completely change your offense when you can control the intermediary middle of the field. Well, Ingram's going to have to pack out a few more pounds before we can pass him off as Gronk, but the grand comparison I like and I completely agree with. <laughs> but since we moved so far out of the mock on the Josh Allen pick on one, we might as well hit it right now. He said that Saquon Barkley shouldn't go number two. He said that he probably shouldn't even go in the top ten, right? No, absolutely not. There is now you're talking about a, a person NFL, that's man. designed as a generational talent, a can't-miss guy from that position. And we've seen a few guys go in these top couple of picks and do really well. Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, just to name a few lately. But we've also seen value at later picks. Mark Davis, why do you think people shouldn't be taking running backs in the top ten? Okay, well, there was one thing that you just said that stood out to me significantly, and that was he's a generational talent. Can't sit, can't miss on him. He's almost too safe. That brings back memories of Trent Richardson to me because last I checked, he was a for sure can't miss prospect. Jim Brown's touting this guy. Everybody in the NFL's touting this guy. The Browns had the foresight to get rid of him for a first round pick. It's like the only good thing that Ray Farmer ever did for the Browns organization. But at the same time, running backs are never worth a top 10 pick. So the pass-to-run ratio in the NFL is 60% to 40%. So the quarterback's going to have more touches in the ball. That ball is always in his hands, okay? And now offensive coordinators are trying to find ways to get other pieces involved in the run game. It's not just quarterbacks and running backs involved in the run game. Now with the, now with the jet sweep, wide receivers, those short Tyreek Hill, uh, uh, Taylor Gabriel-type wide receivers, they're, they're involved in the running game Two, it's, it's, it's just it's a way to go ahead and throw them off. Um, so eight running backs have been drafted in the top ten over the last top after over the la, over the course of the last ten years. Not one of them has gone to a Super Bowl, Brad. Not one. Not one. They have a short career shelf life. And let me tell you something about Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, yes, I'm not going to deny the fact that he killed it at the combine. He absolutely did. The guy's an athletic freak. But you want to know what else he did? He ran a finesse-style game in a Big Ten offense all year long. If you had to guess how many 100-yard games Saquon Barkley turned in this year, how many would you guess off the top of your head? Like four or five. Five, exactly. And one of them was in a bowl game. That's not worthy of a top five pick to me. He's got a tendency to stop moving his feet when the A and B gap are plugged up. And an example of this was it was uh, they played Ohio State. It's second and seven. Uh, sorry, it's second and goal on the seven. And as opposed to just gutting out those two, three tough yards and kicking up a cloud of dust, he went ahead, shuffled his feet to try and find a way to the outside and got tackled for a three-yard for a three yard loss. Can't have that in the NFL game. That stuff's going to catch up with you real quick. And you talk about success recently with these top 10 guys. So if you had to name some guys off the top of your head that were drafted with a top 10 pick, who, who, who do you think is worthy of that pick? Well, we've already talked about Adrian Peterson. Yes, Adrian Peterson we talked about before the show, and I was explaining to Brad that he is literally the only running back prospect that was drafted with a top 10 pick that I'm slightly willing to bend on because of what he meant to that organization, what he produced year in, year out. I know that he had a domestic issue with his son, but it and it cost him, what, an entire season, didn't it? Um, 
But with the exception of that, I mean, the guy came back from a catastrophic busted up knee and almost set the record for most rushing yards in one season. Yeah, a lot of people wouldn't have been walking a year or two later from that. But I know there's guys out there right now listening to me going, hey, Mark, what about Ezekiel Elliott? You remember Ezekiel Elliott? That's fine. You can talk about Zeke all you want. He took it in one playoff game. And last I checked, they lost that playoff game because he didn't show up, right? He did not. Okay. And then there was uh, Leonard Fournette. He was taken with the fourth overall pick last year. A lot of Jaguar fans say, Mark, don't you go at Saxonville. Well, I'm going to tell you what, guys. The Jacksonville Jaguars or the Saxonville Jaguars went 4-0 when Leonard Fournette was out for four games. Todd Gurley. I love Todd Gurley. I just went over his dominator rating. 36 dominator rating. That's unbelievable. He took them to one playoff game. One. And they lost to the Atlanta Falcons, whose run defense wasn't that stout. And he barely went for over 100 yards. He did not make the impact that the offensive player of the year should be making. Totally agree. But he did help the turnaround from a team that was one of the worst being one of the best. Oh, I'll give you it was a huge part of that. Did you know that he was the leading receiver on their team last year? I did not know that. 788 yards receiving. That's all it took to be the leading receiver at uh, that team last year? I know. No wonder they didn't re-sign Sammy Watkins. Watkins. No, they brought in Brandon Cooks instead and burned a first-round pick. Which I love, by the way. Of course you do. You are the biggest. How are you still a Bengals fan? you got to be moving on to be a Rams fan. So I, you know, you you got to take the good years with the bad years. And since that, we spent, you know, five straight years making the playoffs and then just kerfuffling. 20 the straight playoffs. years of not making the playoffs. You know, right <laughs> <laughs> well, we got, we got old sturdy bones, Mark Lewis back there. Oh, so. yeah. You know, the man I've been calling to get fired for the last six years. For a second, it looked like that was actually going to happen. You know, I, I don't know what happens behind closed doors, but I, I don't think it's something that the rest of us really want to talk about. Ah, <laughs> big sigh of relief for every Browns fan out there that the Browns brought back Marv Lewis. I mean, the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, the Brown family. Oh, yeah, the Brown family. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. They don't always make good decisions. You know, I think that um, we also have a team that sometimes is just okay with being just okay. And we suffer through that as fans, but then at the times when the team shines, we look really good. And we look good in those stripes sometimes. See, I just like to think of you as a huge Andrew Whitworth fan. Seeing as you know, I loved Whitty. Yeah, you love Whitty. And he went to a team that I love to talk about. Yeah, he went to the Rams. But he's an old man, too. McVay's your boy, bro. He's your boy. I do like Sean McVay. I think he's very creative. I think that he's, you know, very player first. And I think he's very respected in that locker room. So everything he says, people take in. And he's probably very knowledgeable and he's very good at conveying everything that he thinks to a bunch of people who have lived very different lives. Oh, absolutely. So all of that I think is very important from a head coach because your voice is it rebounds off so many different people. You have to be understood. One thing that a lot of people don't know about Sean McVay is he was actually part of the John Gruden coaching tree the year that John Gruden won the Super Bowl. And John Gruden, a lot of these coaches that John Gruden has worked with, been able, that's why John Gruden was so successful in his tenure. And that's why I think he's going to do really well with this Raiders team that they're building right now. We're definitely going to be talking about that. Not today. We're, we're going to talk about that when we start profiling some teams, that's for sure. Yeah, put that down well, in let's, the uh, let's future topics. Let's back to the mock. All right. Move past Saquon Barkley. Hold on. There's one more thing. I'm going to get it. to every running back that we got okay, here. Okay, you do that. Christian McCaffrey, drafted with the eighth overall pick last year. Was he between the tackles, every down kind of back? 
Absolutely not. But I do love the style that he brings to the NFL game. Absolutely. It's very exciting. How many playoff wins did he account for this past year? Well, that was a really st- structurally bad organization last year. And I expect big things to change in that organization over the next two years. Now, that is the fanciest way of hearing zero. I've never <laughs> heard anybody say zero. So fancy. That was really well said, Brad. That's my non-college education for you. Yeah, so zero plus zero <laughs> equals everything that Brad just said. Uh, so two more running backs. I'm going to bust through them real quick. I already mentioned Trent Richardson, so I'll say C.J. Sp- Spiller. He's athletic. He's twitchy. He's a bust. Darren McFadden, injury-ridden career. Can't label him quite a bust because of the injuries, but never produced. So that's why you don't draft Saquon Barkley with the number one overall pick, number two, three, four, five, or anywhere in the top ten. Running backs just aren't worth the money at that. They're just not. So moving on. Unless they prove to be Le'Veon Bell. You, where was Le'Veon Bell drafted? In the second round. Second round. Where was Kareem Hunt drafted? The fourth round? Kareem Hunt was drafted in the third round. Where was Alvin Kamara drafted? Second? Third round. That's where you find... Wait, Terrell Davis, Hall of Famer, just got inducted this past year. Undrafted rookie free agent. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, every Saquon Barkley-loving Cleveland Browns fan, you're out of your mind if after you've heard this, you still think that that is the way to go. And if you come up to me and say, Mark, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, I will just laugh in your face. That's how it's going to go. Well, you laugh in people's faces a lot of times anyway. I end up getting <laughs> smacked around a little bit for you. I mean, I might be a big guy, but I'm a giant teddy bear. This never works out well for me. All right, so number three, I've got Baker Mayfield being selected by the New York Jets. Number four, I got Bradley Chubb going. And uh, from everything I'm hearing from the Denver Broncos facility right now, John Elway loves Josh Rosen. And what's not to love about Josh Rosen? Sure. I mean, everyone wants to label him as that millennial. He asks too many questions. He wants to know the why of an offense. Last I checked, that's a good thing for an offense, isn't it? I think that's a good thing for a person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then uh, Colts got Quentin Nelson. Uh, Buccaneers, they got him going uh, Denzel Ward for you Buckeye fans out there. Uh, Chicago Bears, they got him going. My my favorite defensive player in the draft this year is Roquan Smith. Mine too, which is the uh, and I was hoping he was going to slide to Cincinnati's original pick. Oh, that's then not going to happen. Then they made the move for Cordy Glenn, which I really did like because we needed an anchor at that left tackle position, and that's a guy who did that for three years in mm-hmm. Buffalo. Um, not so great team sometimes, but he's going to give that to Cincinnati, so I'm okay with the trade. But you are absolutely right. I think Roquan Smith is the type of guy who changes your defense from the middle of the field. Absolutely, and he does it overnight too. He brings that attitude, and you see it in the way that he plays the, the way that he plays the game. This is a guy. He's got no problem attacking the A B gap. He's got no problem chasing a guy sideline to sideline. He's got no problem doing anything. He'll drop and cover. He will literally do anything that you tell him to do. This is a guy that brings that Brian Erlacher mentality to your defense. Even if he's not making the initial part of the play, he's going to finish the play. Mm-hmm. He's going to make sure he gets there. You're, uh, when we're watching this guy on TV, every time the pile comes up, we're going to see his the back of his number because he's on top of somebody. He's going to be involved in every play in that defense, and eventually when he catches up to the speed of the NFL, he's going to be the guy making the adjustments. Yeah, absolutely. So any defense that gets this man is going to be lucky to have him. Oh, I hope they have him for a long time. He's a franchise changer off the bat. This is a guy I think you described as a can't-miss prospect. Mm-hmm. Another favorite that I kind of have taken, <clears throat> uh, Roquan Smith, possibly the 49ers right now. I've got him taking Derwin James at number nine. Um, I think Derwin James kind of adds that Jalen Ramsey mold. Uh, sure. He can go from safety to playing outside corner from the college game to the pro game. I'm surprised we have Melvin Minka because 
Well, for me, Mink is a one-trick pony. Okay. I know he can drop back to safety. I know that's where Nick Saban says that he can do. He can drop back to free safety, and he can. He's a smart player. I just see him more as a nickelback who can't really play outside and free safety. Don't get me wrong. I know that Malik Cooker got taken with what I think it was the third or fourth overall pick last year by the Cleveland. I mean, by the Indianapolis Colts. I think it was four. That sounds right. I just unless you're Earl Thomas. I don't see a free safety being drafted that high a priority. And I don't think that Minka Fitzpatrick is by any means an Earl Thomas. Sure. Um, so I got Tremaine Edmonds at number 10 going to the Oakland Raiders. And I know this is the way it's going to go down. And it's unfortunate because I see Tremaine Edmonds playing more of the Sam or just playing outside pass rusher. I don't really see him as much of a Mike. I, don't, I know he's 245 pounds. He's kind of got the bill for it, but I just think his speed could be utilized elsewhere and outside. And I know how John Gruden likes to play. I mean, Derek Brooks, he was a beast. He flew all over the place. Warren Sapp said he was literally the fastest player they'd ever played with. And if Tremaine Edmonds could turn into Derek Brooks, which he won't, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, but putting him on the opposite side of their pass rushes they already have on the outside. Yeah, I mean, they've got Navarro Bowman already playing the mic. Yeah, with Navarro in the middle, and then you've got uh, Bruce Irvin and – Obviously, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack on one side. So you mm-hmm. put this guy on the other side, he's really going to benefit from how much attention you have to pay on the other side of that line. Absolutely. Um, and <laughs> this is going to go along with the bold prediction that we've got coming up later on the show. But at number 11, I've got the Dolphins taking Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Well, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they miss out on another quarterback prospect, huh? You know, I, you know, Ryan Tannehill is still there and still has the opportunity and has shown flashes of being able to good. But this is what the, the low, the high ceiling, low floor guys do for you because all you're ever going to see from them are flashes. Exactly. Because that floor is going to pop up. You know, gra- gravity. It's always going to bring you back down. And that team is moving away from their talent slowly but surely, which has been the most surprising thing for me about this team. It's not like, let's get rid of all of our pieces and then rebuild all at once. It's, well, maybe we can hold on to this guy for another year. You know, but, and now we're starting to see it go a little quicker. You know, Sue has gone off that defense who, you know, was too much of a free Yeah, and and, and for, for me, like, when you're not in that top four, like, why, yeah, like, a quarterback outside of that top four, unless they're you absolutely 100% sure on them, is not where you want to take it. You want to take that quarterback outside of that top four, and you're like, this is the last guy we need, is this quarterback. And if we can make him a game manager enough, we have enough pieces around to do that, mm-hmm. you know. But they don't have that. So they should be looking elsewhere. In my opinion, you build your team from the line up. Absolutely. Well, line out. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go from the center to the sidelines. That's the way every winning team is essentially built. And the Dolphins are always trying to shortcut it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, you made Indominus the highest paid D lineman in the league for what, two straight years? I think it was, it was two or three. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is what it is. The Dolphins are going to be the Dolphins. Let them be the Dolphins. Um, that being said, with number 12, I've got the Bills going to my second favorite pass rusher, Harold Landry. Um, I think Harold Landry's got the body makeup, the, the short area quickness. He's he's already got developed hand moves. He's got moves, counter moves. That's that's exactly what the Bills need right now. Um, uh, with the Redskins, I got your boy going, Mika Fitzpatrick. They could use somebody like him on that defense. Yes, they lost uh, their favorite slot DB going to uh, Kansas City. Puts them right in the market for that guy. Um, and if they want to go ahead and have a couple of sweet sub packages going on, I mean, you, you've got the personnel now to do so in your secondary. Absolutely. And they have a good front, they have a good enough front seven that a guy like this would really benefit from being in that system. Absolutely. Um, the Green Bay Packers, I've got them uh, going Mike McGlinchey. 
Um, I don't think he's going to be playing left tackle by any means. I think he'll be playing right tackle at the NFL level, and I think that'll be a tackle duo to be. He's got great footwork, and he really pushes off people really well. So if they can develop any sort of running game in Cleveland, it'll be great to develop it behind him. Absolutely. Um, so the Cardinals, they need all the help they can get up front. Their, their offensive line is decimated. I've got them going Isaiah Wingard. Um, the Ravens. <laughs> Uh, a team that you and I love to bash on. Absolutely. Why wouldn't we? We're both fans of teams in the division. Exactly. Outside of them. Joe Flacco is an absolute joke. His, his production has gone more than just downhill. It's gone off a cliff um, over the course of the last he's, four or five years. He's one of those average quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He truly is. I think he's uh, right up there with Trent Dilford and one of the most average quarterbacks to have ever won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, he had Torrey Smith making plays for him. And I, let's not forget, he had Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and T-Sizzle doing what they do best. Along with Lord. Yeah, I call him T-Sizzle because he deserves that nickname, Brad. He's T-freaking-Sizzle. And you were going to say hello to not You know what, Ballers? Watch Ballers. They call him Sizzle, I call him Sizzle. If The Rock is cool with calling Terrell Suggs T-Sizzle, I'm going to call him Sizzle. The Rock calls Taylor Swift Tay-Tay. Let him call it Tay-Tay. The Rock has earned the right to call anybody. And by, but I, Yes, I'm a fan of The Rock. I'm not always proud of it. Not always proud of it. He just did Rampage. That video game, though, when I was a kid, was pretty Oh, yeah, that moon, that moon level, bro? I playing that game at the bowling alley. Ah, the bowling alley. Back to football. <laughs> Cortland Sutton's getting drafted because they've got nobody but Crabtree. And who they signed? John, John Brown? That's essentially all that. With Brashad Perryman and no tight end, they let Ben Watson walk to New Orleans, which is unbelievable to me. But, yes, Cortland Sutton, who I know a lot of people have going to Dallas right now, uh, it's not going to be Kelvin really that goes. Um, and I'll later get into a prospect-by-prospect prospect rating when we get done with the draft. But trust me, Kelvin really is not all he's cracked up to be. Uh, the Chargers are an intriguing pick here to me, uh, taking Leighton Vanderesh at middle linebacker. They need a lot of help. So I don't think they need that much help. I think they're a linebacker or two away from being an AFC championship competing team. They've got the pieces they absolutely need. They've got the quarterback. That's the most important piece. Most important. And he's there. Yep. They've got two quality Pro Bowl corners. They've got the safety tandem that they want. Desmond King ended up showing up out of nowhere out of last year from Iowa and played out of his mind at free safety. That's why they let Boston walk. They had a, couple, Boston players. They had a couple players that really did that. They had the outside linebacker that did that too that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Oh, I know you. I know who you're Bowser, maybe? No, Tyus Bowser is an indie. Yeah, he was Jefferson. But I know who you're talking about. And then, um, and then obviously, Joey Bosa, who is. Very disruptive pass. Paired up with Ingram and Corey Lugin up front. Yeah, yeah that's, that's they, nasty. They're, they're there up front. They just need to be able to put it all together. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy. Uh, somebody was talking to me the other day, and they were talking to me about the San Diego Charge, and there, it was during the first, like, Los Angeles Chargers. Los, yeah. I'm still not there with it yet. I can't let go of San Diego. <laughs> Neither can Philip Rivers. So. <laughs> um. Uh, they were telling me it was during the first like week of free. No, it was the second week of free agency. They were saying that the Chargers have absolutely and utterly won free agency. And I asked them why. And they said because they signed a guy named Jack Squat. Sometimes the best moves that a team makes are the moves they don't make at all. And I was like, oh, my God, my mind is blown. That is the most unbelievable thing. I wanted to say unbelievably stupid at that point in time, but then I actually thought about it. Sure. Smart. The Chargers are playing it the way it's supposed to be. It's a bunch of homegrown talent. They're not buying a team. They're doing it the right way. Well, yeah, well, you don't really need to – you don't spend money on pieces that you aren't sure about either. You know, a lot of teams are quick to give guys 
big contracts and big money mm-hmm. that have had a season or two that they did really well with, and then they move into a new system and are able to succeed in the same way. So when you go into it, the mentality that you're going to spend your money smart, you're not going to jump on every big fish that's out there in the pot. In the pot. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of fun for the fans when that stuff goes on. Of course it is. This is why we're talking about all of it. But this is a team that's trying to build a winner for years to come. And they also have to win over a fan base in L.A. that is extremely hard to win over. Yeah, they're all Rams fans now. And, and very quickly became Rams fans. Why? Because the Rams became exciting quickly. And these are fair weather fans in LA that aren't going to get on you unless you're a winning team. And, and it's a basketball town too. Last I checked, Dodger games always sold out. Kings games always sold out. And please, the Lakers are booty. They're awful. Jack Nicholson still showed up to games, bruh. How many championships has LA won though? Like, How many years have they been a winning team? How exciting is this team? Is that Lakers team coming up going forward? If they, especially with some free agent moves that people are expecting. Well, Paul George has got to sign with the squad. Let's not dive into basketball because I know Absolutely. both of us can talk for hours. Yes. So let's get back to the draft. All right. So the Seahawks go on guard. They need to protect Russell Wilson. Uh, let's make him an MVP candidate, can we? He's, we he's there. He's that He's hell. right there. They just got to protect him a little bit more. He can't keep having to make plays outside of the pocket. Let him do what he's got to do and carve up a defense from the inside of the pocket. And they need a power running game again. Oh, my God, do they, which is why I have them drafting a running back in the second or third round this year. I'm not going to be surprised if it's Rashad Penny. Nobody touch him. He belongs to me. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, I got them going wide receiver. You got to address that position. You can't have just Alan Hearns. For Des, yes. And, I mean, Terrence Williams, Alan Hearns, Cole Beasley. I mean, Cole Beasley is a hell of a rapper. I, I don't know him. if you've heard of him. I have, and you know I love Cole Beasley for what he does on the field, too. I wish my rap name was B-Easy. You do need a better rap name. Oh, is, is, What's my nickname, Brad? <laughs> Mark Davis. My nickname is literally my first and my last name. Nobody calls me anything cool, so I have to make up cool names for myself. And you can't give yourself a nickname. You've proven that with playoff. And the most clever name I could come up with this podcast was Through the Uprights. I think I threw the super fan show idea. You did. That was one that I that quickly was, denied. Yeah, and I don't blame it. Third and one would have been bad, but you should have come at me with that a couple of days ago. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Uh, so the Lions, I got them beefing up there, D-front, uh, pairing them up with Vita Vea. Let's go ahead and get Ezekiel Ansah lined up and freed up a little bit up And with there. their new coach, you have to assume they're going to go defense anyway. He's gonna, If he's got a voice in that building of that team, oh, Matt Patricia. they're going to draft the best defensive player available to them. And Vita Vea is going to dominate people up front. Absolutely. He's going to be what they wanted Haloni Nana to be for them, but he was just a little proud of his part. Matt Patricia's pencil behind his ear is not just there for looks. He will use it as a weapon on the GM if they don't draft the D-lineman that he wants. And I believe that guy is Vita Vea. All right, so we're at number 21, Brad. That that number mean anything to you right now? It means a lot to me. What does that number mean to you? To me, that, that means the best offensive lineman available, most likely. Uh, but the, you've already mentioned two that I would love to see go mm-hmm. to my team. And I think that the next couple are probably more of third and fourth round pick guys. There may be a few that slide up because of their value, but I think talent wise, they're they, we've missed on second and third round linemen the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So if we we value one in the first round that has that second third round talent that we value, we'll probably move them into the first round. But you tell me who you got. I got you going, Maurice Hurst, defensive tackle. To me, he's the second best interior defensive lineman in this draft. And the reason why I say this is I take a look at a team like the Minnesota Vikings. Marv Lewis isn't it's, – it's not like he's completely new to the league. He sees how Zimmer's doing it. Zimmer was 
a coach for us. Absolutely. <laughs> and Zimmer went ahead and drafted Trey Waynes in the first round, DB, out of Michigan State, when they didn't particularly need a cornerback. You guys don't really need a defensive tackle right now with Big Geno and Carlos Dunlap still in the prime of their career. Carl Lawson as well on the other side. Oh, really my God. How can I forget about Carl Lawson? Carl Lawson was a big – I had him as a first-round grade last year. How he slipped to what, the fifth? Fourth, fourth or fifth? Yeah. yeah. How did he slip that far? You know, some we didn't know about, most likely. that was, was said in interviews and things like that. It would be my guess. But Cincinnati has a good record of turning these guys who slide the draft into really good players. Mm-hmm. They might still have some on- and off-field issues. Vontaze Burfitt, i.e. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That block was fun to watch. Yeah, it always is. Yo, <laughs> uh, it's called karma. Karma. <clears throat> but I think this is a guy who would really help us as well. There, you, there's never a bad time to draft somebody who can break an offensive line. There's mm-hmm. never a bad time to get a talent there. I mean, we saw that in Jacksonville. They literally have six guys on that front four that they can rotate in. They're able to drop seven in coverage because of the power of their front four. Right. And when you and take they, they can rotate those guys, too, because they have more than just four. Absolutely. So they keep them fresh. They do a lot for these guys. And they're, so there's never a bad time to get a guy who can make a difference up on the front. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take a look at the division we play in, the division the Bengals play in alone. I mean, you're going up against Lev Bell. Alex Collins, I don't care what anybody says about him. Alex Collins was a beast last year. We all know the Browns are going to eventually go running back. It's either going to be in the second or the third round, but it's going to happen. And when you and you still have Carlos Hyde as well, who's coming back to Ohio. And the last I checked, when he was doing work in Ohio, was doing big work in Ohio. He's killing it. So that's why you bring in a Maurice Hurst. You pair him up with Gino. You pair him up with Lawson. You pair him up with Dunlap. And guess what? You got a formidable front four in the league you that makes de- life easy on your secondary and your linebacker. And you let these developing corners that we've got, and with Drake Patrick and Willie Jackson, and these guys that we've brought in over the last couple of years who have been okay but not great. And, you know, the guys that have just lost their probably biggest veteran leadership in Adam Jones, these guys are going to be able to succeed in this group. Absolutely. And let's not forget the fact that you guys are willing to trade up last year in the second round to get a running back. Imagine what you guys would be willing to do to trade up to get a tackle. I don't see us trading up to get a tackle, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I take a look at a guy like Connor Williams. So I love Connor Williams out of Texas. Sure. Not this past season, but the season before. Do you know how many pressures? Pressures. Not sacks, but pressures alone. Gave up four pressures all season long. That's Pretty huge. Yeah. All right, so moving on from the Bengals. All right. I've got the Bills going Mason Rudolph, quarterback. That's right. Pulling the trigger in the first round on Mason, not second. I think it's warranted. Um, the Patriots, I've got them going Jair Alexander at 23, and I think Jair is very special. In fact, he's my favorite corner in this draft. He's a mix of a zone guy with a man guy as well. He's got perfect trail technique. His back pedal's perfect. He doesn't play the trail horrible at all. In fact, he's one of the better trail technique corners in this draft next to Isaiah Oliver. Jair's actually able to use the sideline as a defender, which is unbelievable. So he's essentially bracketing a guy to the outside and using that sideline as just another defender. And Jair's his, his hands. He's one of the better press covers in this draft as well. So you had a guy like that and the loss of Malcolm Butler. You pip, uh, pair him up with Stefan Gilmore, you got a formidable secondary again. And this is a good move for them because they, instead of having to pay Malcolm Butler what they were going to have to pay him, mm-hmm. they're going to get a guy who's probably going to be almost as good, if not as good. Obviously, Malcolm Butler had his huge impact play, which gives him the status he has. But but on paper, this is a guy who's probably almost as good, and they're not going to have to. They're just going to have to pay him on the rookie wage for a little while. 
Yeah, but unlike Malcolm Butler, Jair Alexander will actually play in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> and I've got the Panthers pulling a boneheaded move and picking DJ Chark, wide receiver out of LSU with the 24th overall pick. Well, they need to give somebody out there that can catch the ball. And stretch the field. And Devin Funches the field. can't do it for you. Christian McCaffrey's going to stretch the field running back. I mean, you could have him out of the slot, but that's not what he's there to do. So I've got to take a DJ Chark to me. He's the best deep threat in the draft. Uh, Titans going Rashad Evans. Uh, I just don't. Uh, Alabama linebackers. There's just something about them. And in fact, I've got another Alabama guy going next. Deron Payne of the Falcons at 26. Really good players. Too. Absolutely. They lost Don Terry Poe. Um, I think they lost him to Carolina, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've got to replace him somehow. You bring in that big plug who affects the run game like Deron does. You've done a good job. And you're sitting him right next to Tack McKinley. That team's looking always i mean they, for the past three years they've been to me on paper the nastiest team in the nfl this is one of the teams that should be perennially winning the nfc absolutely um and then the saints uh so marcus williams last year third round pick he's right up there with defensive rookie of the year sure uh the uh, the thing that everyone's gonna remember for unfortunately is that the miracle in minnesota the missed tackle it doesn't change the fact that Marcus is there. You pair him up with Ronnie Harrison out of Alabama. That's right, everybody. That's three Bama guys in a row. You pair him up with Ronnie Harrison, and that's that. Um, so I went ahead, and I looked at the 28th pick that the Steelers had, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to go along with the hate. I don't agree with the hate, but I'm going to have the Steelers take Darius guys out of LSU running back. Uh, at, the, at the least, if Le'Veon Bell is just holding out because he doesn't want to go to camp, at least you've got somebody to pair him up with, and that could honestly be the nastiest rushing attack the NFL, in my opinion, has ever seen. And here we go, Brad. This is my favorite pick. I haven't waited to make this pick officially to somebody, to some, to anyone, really. Lamar Jackson to the Jaguars at 29. I absolutely love that pick. Wow. Why don't you tell them why I and you love that pick so much? Oh, my God. It makes the Jaguars the nastiest rushing attack in the NFL should that happen. Lamar Jackson will always keep a defense honest. You're going to have to keep a guy spying at all times. You run that play action, that running back's running free. He's got one less defender trailing him. It, it, it opens up so many different alleyways, not to mention his arm strength. You get that guy sitting a year behind Blake Bortles, not that you're really going to learn anything from Blake Bortles, but you get Lamar Jackson legitimately just sitting and learning how to be a pro. This guy is going to be a freak at the NFL level. I don't have him being that carve you up type of guy. He's not the guy that looks to do that. No, he's not. You want to play with this guy's strengths. And if you're Jacksonville and you're trying to win now, because that defensive window, let's take a look at Seattle. I think they're the blueprint of three years. You've got three to four years of a defense playing lights out like that before they're worth nothing. Well, I'm not going to say worth nothing. Until they're all asking for so much money you can't afford to keep them under the salary cap. Boom. Lamar Jackson makes you a contender right away, Jacksonville. If you can trade up, do it. This guy will propel you to a Super Bowl with that defense that you currently have. You become the fastest-paced offense in the NFL, most likely, if you take this guy. And this isn't a guy who – I know a lot of people are probably going to compare him to other running quarterbacks or run-first mentality quarterbacks. You know, our guys that have shown to do that, like Vic and, like, you know, Robert Griffin and people like that. But this is a guy who, if you watch him play, has great pocket awareness – 
decent footwork in that pocket, but has such a good square on his shoulders when he throws that ball. When he And the stats behind him prove it, that that's what he does, and that's what he's capable of doing, is throwing this ball. And he's going to be able to do it really well in this league, especially when it's done at fast-paced offense like Jacksonville is going to try to run if they get this guy. Exactly. And it would be unbelievable for the NFL. I think it just does nothing but enhance the product if a guy like Lamar Jackson ends up on a team like Jackson. It will be so exciting to watch on both sides of the football. Absolutely. The unfortunate thing is we would have to wait till next year to see a majority of their games televised. The Cowboys games are going to fade away eventually, everybody. I, at least I hope so. <laughs> um, so with the Vikings, I've got them going Colton Miller, left tackle out of UCLA. And I think Colton Miller is a solid pick here. The guy was literally Josh Rosen's only hope for survival when he would – take those four or five step drops uh, with the New England Patriots. I got him going Marcus Davenport. It's about time they bring in a pass rusher. It needs to happen. They haven't tried to do so, so much. Uh, I mean, they lost Chandler Jones. They lost Jamie Collins. They lost Chris Long. And they said, you know what? We got Bill Belichick as our head coach. We don't need to do anything. Well, it's the one thing that that team is, that defense is missing. Usually. And, and we saw it last year. The fact that they weren't getting the pass rush off, it also hurt their run defense, and they became one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year. But because they are who they are, they were able to come back from that. Mm-hmm. And the back half of the season really proved that they were a very good unit cohesively. Losing Dante Hightower actually did not help that at all. Absolutely not. No. Um, and with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, I know this is a slightly controversial pick because they've got Jay Ajayi, they've got Corey Clement, they've got Kenyon Barner, they got Wendell Smallwood. Um, but I still think they don't have that complete back that you need. And I think Sonny Michelle fits the bill here. Sonny Michelle, to me, is my favorite running back in this draft. He's totally and utterly complete. He he comes in 5'10", goes all 225 pounds. He looks small, but he runs like a bruiser. Catches the ball perfectly out of the backfield. He's got perfect vision. He's got that speed you want. And I think the Eagles maximize that 32nd overall pick with, the to me, the best running back in the draft. One of those players that you just mentioned would get bumped out if that was the pick made. And I think it would probably be Kenyon Barker. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with you. You're I, not think gonna... Sm- I think Smallwheel's still got talent, and we've just never really well, seen it. Well, in the special teams game, yeah. I'll give you that. Um, so with the mock draft being done, the mark draft, if you will, uh, <clears throat> what big name, Brad, do you think is going to slide down the, the the draft board on draft night? Um, you know, it's going to be one of those quarterbacks that probably slides really far, in my opinion. I mean, uh, I, Lamar Jackson making it in the first round. At, at he's starting to get a little hype after his combine or pro day. I know I, I see him as a first round talent, but if he slid in to be one of these second round quarterbacks, and we didn't you didn't even mention Baker Mayfield on that list. Wait, what? On a mock draft? I don't even think you hit Baker. Yeah, number three of the New York Jets. Oh, I didn't even – I wasn't listening, obviously, is what happened. How can you not listen to a voice that's as <laughs> charismatic and beautiful as mine, Brad? But I wouldn't be surprised if one of these quarterbacks ends up falling a little farther than we expect. Maybe not like Brady Quinn falling, but, you know, still some falling. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, there are guys – there's too many guys that are in this first round that I think that are too surefire for where they're probably going to land to see too many slide. But I know that there was one that you really talked about and you wanted to talk about as we were going through it, but it felt you head off. So let's talk about Marcus Davenport and why he's going to slide. Okay, Marcus Davenport, to me, uh, I honestly think, okay, so the guy came into college having almost never played football at all. Came in 188 pounds soaking wet. The guy, yes, his game, and he's being compared to a lot of Ezekiel Ansah, but I just don't see the talent there. His hips are never, they're too tight. He, there's no dip in his game. There's no bend when he's trying to get around. Is I'm going to beat the guy in front of me with quickness. There's not a whole lot of technique to his rush. 
that's never going to translate in the NFL. You can be the best athlete in the world all you want. It doesn't mean that you are going to be able to translate to the NFL. And year in, year out, we see these freak athletes. I mean, take a look at Obi Malafanu last year. Sure. Obi Malafanu, top-notch safety out of UConn, drafted at the top of the second round by the Oakland Raiders, accomplished absolutely nothing. Uh, you can take a look at a guy like Carl Joseph, also drafted in the first round by the Oakland Raiders. Did nothing. Freak athlete. Freak athlete does not translate always to the NFL. I'm not saying that it can't. It just normally doesn't, which is why another name that I have sliding down significantly down the draft board is Tremaine Edmonds. I don't see him being drafted top 10, even though he's heavily favored to do so. You barely had any wide receivers in that mock draft in the first round at all. Well, I just think the wide receiver class this year is so deep, and it's loaded with a lot of slot guys. Like Christian Kirk, I know he's being counted as a first-round guy. He's a slot guy with inconsistent hands. That's that's how I view Christian Kirk. Uh, to me, I love DJ Moore. He's my favorite wide receiver sure. in the draft. Number two, and I've been touting this guy since November, Anthony Miller is a total freak of nature. He wasn't able to participate in the combine because he had a foot injury. Um, he's since healed up from it, competed as a uh, pro day and ran a four, four That's what you want to see from your ex receiver. And that's exactly what he's going to be in the NFL. And there's only a few teams really out there looking for their number one guy. Mm -hmm. Most of them have that guy or have that guy that's ready to prove himself to be that guy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of teams are just looking for second thirds or maybe a guy who come out of nowhere. It's hard to make your first round pick on that guy. You need your first round pick to be a guy who's ready to go, who you need ready to go. Absolutely. All right, so that pretty much almost brings the show to an end. Brad and I want to go ahead and conclude the show with a couple of bold predictions before the draft. I think that some groups call it way too early predictions sometimes. Oh, okay. But we can go either way because it is way too early to say any of these things. You know, I want to start us out with this because my first one doesn't even actually have to happen to do anything with this NFL season. It has to do with the future of the NFL. I think there's two giant moves that are going to be made that are going to change the landscape of the NFL, and they involve the most important position in the NFL, the quarterback. Because there are two quarterbacks that I think are so unhappy where they are that they are not going to be where they are after this season. And those two quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton. These guys are going to find their way off these teams and find their way to somewhere else in the NFL. And these are guys who are both very talented and are going to change whatever team that they go to. Aaron Rodgers is what Lore is made of in Green Bay. The only thing to me that he's unhappy about is being paid. But why do you have him wanting out of Green Bay? I mean, this is a team that's he's only been able to, this is a guy who should be taking a team to a Super Bowl every year. Mm -hmm. He's that talented. He's not a he's not a, you can't even make the argument like you can make against Tom Brady, where well, what do you think he's gonna be like out of the system? The last time that they someone tried to make that argument about a great quarterback that was able to get out of that, who was that? Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner was one. The one I was thinking of was Joe Montana. Oh, yeah. In Kansas Joe City. Montana was a beast in Kansas City, and I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to find his way into a team that's ready to pay him and ready to be talented enough to be around him because that is something Green Bay, in my opinion, has always failed to do. They've brought him in a couple of flashy guys here and there, but they've never built a championship defense for him except for the one year that they really made it to the Super Bowl and were there. And these wide receivers, he made Jordy Nelson. He made Randall Cobb. He made these guys just like Peyton Manning did. He had a couple Peyton Manning. Just like Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison and, Reggie and Reggie Wayne are the arguments against that. But the other guys, Brandon Stokely and all these yeah, other guys. Absolutely. These are guys that did, yeah, these are guys that were made by their quarterbacks, and that's what Aaron Rodgers does for your team. Aaron Rodgers is not happy with that front office. But granted, the big reason is he wants to get paid. Not everybody can be Tom Brady and say, oh, I'll take less money so my team can be great. 
You know, not everybody's got that that got that same mentality. Not everybody's got so much money that they're making outside of football that they can do that. But Aaron Rodgers is. Aaron Rodgers isn't From getting his, but Aaron Rodgers is also not Tom Brady. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, we saw that he's, you know, we saw too much into his personal life when his brother was on The Bachelor or whatever it was. God. So we know a little bit too much about Aaron Rodgers and his personal life. And that's why I think this, that Aaron Rodgers, I can't say where he'll be because if, if I am running an NFL team and Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, I want to play somewhere else next year. Depending on who I have a quarterback, I probably want to find a way to see if I can get him to play on my team. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton has that talent. You just have to be able to con- to convince him to leave it all out in the field, you know? And that's the type of personality you have to deal with when you have a talent who's been fostered. Like- what happens the second, though, that Cam Newton loses his step? I don't think uh, Cam Newton's got enough arm talent and enough up, up here in the game. You think that, he can carve a defense up? I think, he actually, I think he's shown it that he can do it plenty of times. Okay. I just think that when the talent around him suffered just as much, you know, we saw him decline with the talent around him. He's a guy that needs to be put around talent Absolutely. in order for his talent to shine. I think James Winston is the same way. These are guys who've got talent, but their talent only shines if there's talent around them. Mm-hmm. These aren't guys like Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning who are they making other people talented yep. because they don't think of the game on that level, most likely. Now, I don't talk to these guys, and I don't know you know, the inner workings of that, so I can't say for sure, but that's just what I can assume from what I see and what I hear. Mm-hmm. So that's my bold prediction. My first bold prediction is that these will be the last seasons we see those guys in those uniforms. I've got one. I've got uh, the Rams are a team on paper and only on paper. They're going seven and nine this year. The experiment in LA bombs. You know I hate that. I know you hate that. This guy's the biggest Sean McVay fan in the world, and I get it. I really do. You love everything that's going on in LA. Why wouldn't you? It's fresh. It's him. Why wouldn't you? Other than the ownership, who is a, uh, a slime dog of a human being. Absolutely. Um, I love what this organization is doing. I love Akib Talib and I love Marcus Peters. I think these guys, uh, I, I think there's too much ego on that team to mesh and play one season together. In fact, I know so because Ndamukong Sue, if he truly bought into what was going in L.A., it would have just been a one-year $14 million deal. This guy is just signing on for a ring. The last time I checked, Philadelphia tried that when they brought on Namdi, Nasa, Namdi Asamoah the with Mike Vick. The dream team back in, I think that was, what, 2010? Yeah, oh, my God. And they bombed horribly. And I see that exact scenario playing out in L.A. It is very similar. All the conditions are there. They're all there. The same things. And Sean McFay even used the word dream team once. Mm-hmm. So. And also, it wouldn't be bold if I didn't come out with something slightly outlandish. There you go. All right, so for my second bold pick, and I'm going to say that I probably don't even heavily believe in this one, but I want to make it bold because we do see this happen almost every year. Minnesota goes from first in the division to worst in the division. I can totally see that. I see that happening just because I don't, like, you know, they were just a team that was clicking at the right time, mostly. The oh, yeah. talent's there. The coaches there. I love Mike Zimmer. You know, but they lost Pat Shermer. I mean, they lost they their lost offensive, the offensive coordinator. And that does a lot. They they fell behind this momentum they got from a quarterback that came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. too. Now, did they replace him? Yeah, they did a great job replacing him, too. But this is a team where I still think the rest of the division is right on the cusp of being really good, and I easily could see them dropping close games left and right, and them end up being the worst in the division. I mean, I think Chicago is 
if their quarterback situation pans out for them and he looks to be good Remarkably enough, um, then I think that they're ready to go. I think Matt Patricia will probably have a spark to go with that Detroit team and push them into where they need to go. And like I said, Aaron Rodgers was playing his last season at Green Bay. That man's going to show up because he's a bad man. And he wants to get paid. I totally agree with you, man. I can definitely see Minnesota slipping. Uh, my next bold prediction was the Tennessee Titans are going to win the AFC South. They're Woo! 11 and 5. Mariota, the man throwing balls to every dis- uh, disabled kid at that Special Olympics. He did leave. I love the man. He's a high love the character, man. man. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. He's a marketer's dream. Next one for you. All right. So, mine, I don't even think it's that bold because I think this team made the best move. During last season, when they were in a terrible place, they went and got a quarterback who was going to lead them to the future in Jimmy Garoppolo. This man, oh, Jimmy G. This man is talented. This man, I don't understand why the Patriots were able to let him go so easily because this man broke all of Tony Romo's records in college. He basically is the second coming of a Tony Romo, but a little better looking as a human being. And Probably not as mistake-driven, but that is still – we still need to see that. But we saw in the games that he actually played in San Francisco, that team did an entire 540, 720. I mean, we saw them turn into a team that looked like it was going to be just as bad as Cleveland. Carlos Hyde literally came out and said when the season was over, because of Garoppolo, he believes the Niners are going to the Super Bowl. This, this is a team that's ready to go, and they're making moves to do it. We're bringing in Richard Sherman, even though there was so much blah, 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 blah going on between. Can we get that one more time? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> there was so much going on there. They still believe. And Richard Sherman, in my opinion, is a system guy. You know, this is a guy who plays the cover three. He's not a shadow corner. He's not an outside corner. He's a guy that plays in this cover three and then controls half the field doing it mm-hmm. because he's so he's so good up here. Oh, yeah. He's got it all going oh, on. That was when you graduate from Stanford. You he, tend to have a bit of a brain. And I guarantee you he's going to be able to convey that tone and to the rest of that defense when they're sitting in film room and he is breaking down film for them. Now, pardon me, I just think that this is a team that's ready to go, and if they give weapons and put everything in place and they just paid their best offensive lineman, the the respect that he's deserved to Joe Staley, the man deserves to be respected, deserves to be paid because he has been a staple lineman in the NFL. This is a team that's ready. They can take that division by storm and make their way all the way to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. I'm about getting paid. Jimmy Garoppolo. That man deserves that paycheck. 132 mil. That man deserves that paycheck, and he's and he's not going to be a guy like Joe Flacco who gets that paycheck and then is the most average quarterback in the league. He's a guy that's going to get that paycheck and then wants to win Super Bowls and smile real pretty. Why? Because he is the next Tom Brady for the NFL. I love the Garoppolo Potamus. He is the next Tom Brady for the NFL, and the NFL needs that guy to latch on to mm-hmm. because going forward – when Tom Brady leaves, I mean, they lost Peyton Manning, who was the household name of the NFL. Now Tom Brady is the household name of the NFL. There is no guy ready to take that mantle. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to show us this, this season that he's the guy that we need to take that mantle. I actually could not agree with you more, and I normally disagree with you more often than not. Um, the last one, I'm not going to go too much into it, but the Miami Dolphins, everybody, they're going to be the new Cleveland Browns for the next five, six years. So you're saying the donut? You're saying that we're going to see a donut season? I'm saying we're going to see a donut season from the Miami Dolphins. They don't have any talent on that team whatsoever. You can try and pump up Devontae Parker being a former first-round pick. All you want, that offense is its illegitimate. It's awful. It is, it is the bastard son of the NFL right now when it comes to the offenses. 
uh, that defense. They're, they're getting rid of every single piece they possibly could get rid of. They've, they've held on to Kiko Alonso. Congratulations. You have somewhat of a captain on your defense, but that's it. Cameron Wake is a shadow of what he once was. You bring in Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn just wanted to go to a place with warm beaches. That was it. He said, you know what? This is why I'm going to Miami. I'm going to South Beach. I'm taking, taking my tails to South Beach. Taking my butt over to South Beach, and I'm just going to enjoy the sand all day long. And that is that. Now, at the Browns' low point, we were we were debating whether Don't the best college teams, know when the Browns' low point was. Were the best college teams, could they beat the Cleveland Browns? Are we going to be making that debate with these Miami Dolphins? Absolutely. Yes. If Nick Saban and Alabama can come and run, him up, run through Miami? OSU playing outdoors in the middle of November would beat the hell out of the Miami Dolphins. That's just the way it's going to go. That team from down south couldn't travel up north and play in cold weather against the Buckeyes. <laughs> and that's the same. I hate the Buckeyes. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You hate their fans more than you hate the team. They're just, it's, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. As much as I want to, I'm not going to get into it. Um, but that's all we got for you today. Brad, what'd you think? Jeff, you man? First show, man. Uh, it's it's ready to go. I think we did good. Yep. We're locked, cock, and ready to rock, man. Something about that feels wrong to me, but I think we might as well keep going. <laughs> All right. So if you guys could uh, uh, listen to the podcast, uh, be sure to subscribe. Give us uh, five-star ratings um, and uh, do everything you possibly can for us. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions for the show or anything like that, be sure to add us at Twitter, um, at me at Mark7098, and Brad is at uh, Somo underscore Brad. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Totally appreciate it. And y'all have a good one. Bye. Toodles.